0: Hello and welcome to Money Tips. This is Charles Kelly bringing you Money Tips to help you save, earn, invest, uh, accumulate uh, and ultimately enjoy more money. A lot of people say money can't buy you happiness. I say that's just not true. Uh, it doesn't mean money always will buy you happiness but money certainly can buy you happiness and, and does in you know millions of cases. And I've actually written a book about it called Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness which is soon to be published. More of that later on no doubt. Now... Hardly a day goes by when you, you don't see in, on the news that a young man has been tragically stabbed in London. Uh, and, you know, it, it's obviously an awful situation. And I hear a lot of community leaders talking about this. And basically the, the mood is one of despair. You know, that, that there's, there's a lack of opportunity, lack of aspiration, lack of, lack of government support, if you like, that, you know, why are we letting these kids uh, fall away like this? and you know and, and almost blaming society for uh, th- these these kids getting into the wrong crowd and joining gangs i don't want to get political here but you know this is i've got no opportunity austerity and i ain't got no opportunity and all this sort of stuff and you know i, I say to myself well look i grew up in a council estate which was a rough part of london in those days now camden uh, camden now you might think was a rough part of london but in those days it was you know you walk down the street you walk down the wrong street you're getting beaten up by somebody just for being in their street. Uh, but now it's become gentrified and, you know, there are still some parts, but, it, it, you know, it was rough in those days. Now, admittedly, we didn't have these spates of stabbings. We didn't have drug dealings. But I had to make my way out of the so-called, uh, you know, it, oh, it wasn't a ghetto, but, you know, it was it was a tough life. And we had um, very little in the way of aspiration. I mean, I, I remember going with a, a, a friend of mine to go car washing in... in uh, made Vale because there was no point in knocking on the doors around where we were uh, so we, we got on a couple of buses went up to Maida Vale in St John's Wood and I thought wow it's like a different world You know, I was knocking on the door of actors I'd see on TV and it, it really was a different world and the amount of money they would give you was was like whoa you know you just couldn't believe how much they would just pull out of their pocket and give you and think it was nothing uh, so I had to, I had to get my way out of that and I, I partly had uh, you know inspiration from my my parents to say, look, you can do whatever you want to do. But generally, the aspiration at our school was, was not to, say, be a doctor, lawyer, accountant, or, or go on to university. It was to, you know, kids would say, well, I'll, I'll go and join the post office. You know, uh, if I can get a good job at the post office, that that will do me through life. You know, start off as a, a telegram boy. <laughs> I'm going back a few years now. Um, and, you know, getting a secure job was everything you, you thought. Of it. Just get, get into a secure job and uh, you know getting to university seemed like a million miles away in fact my dad used to say you know son if, if you have a cockney accent you can't get into university with a cockney accent he said they won't have you they just won't have you with a cockney accent because everyone in university was posh we'd see people on university challenge they were posh <laughs> they didn't have cockney accents uh, and he said you won't get into university with a cockney accent not even if you had another hole in your ass but anyway that's another story it's not not actually true but you can see the mentality we had uh, and the general level of aspiration we had in in those days. Now, the fact is though, as at that time and as now, there is opportunity everywhere. Opportunity is everywhere, especially in a Western wealthy country like the UK. We're still one of the top 10 wealthiest countries in the the world. I'm not sure we're seventh now or whatever, but we're still a country that punches above its weight. And, you know, millions of people flock here to get jobs because there's no opportunity in their country. And they perhaps grab those jobs and grab those opportunities that perhaps people here don't quite see themselves. I was talking to an owner of a nursing home group the other day, and he said his biggest problem is still staff. And, you know, when I was in the staffing business, that was their biggest problem 10, 20 years ago. And, you know, it's the fact that the local people just don't want to do the job. Anyway, I'm veering off the subject a little bit, but opportunity is everywhere and education is so important. Education is free here. Now, you might say, well, you have to pay fees when you go to university, but you get a loan for that. You don't pay that off until you start working and earning more than 23,000 a year. And if you come from a poor family, there are exemptions, but certainly education up to high school is free. And then you can go on to do other things, like you can do apprenticeships. There's there's all sorts of things. There's so many training courses other than just university. And I ran training courses. I know that, you know, you just cannot say there's no opportunity in in this country because there's opportunity in the workplace. But you have to get educated. You have to offer the employer something that, you know, will will benefit them, not just benefit you. Now, the reason I I sort of thought about this today was that um, because, you know, I want to give you money tips that on the practical side um you know how to make money how to earn money how to save money how to get out of debt but sometimes i want to give you inspirational stories as well and i heard a story today about a young man who came from a poor background came from a, a single parent family his dad died when he was young and instead of just sitting around saying there's no opportunity he went out to look for opportunity and surprisingly found it very very quickly guy called Reggie Nelson, who was 18 at the time, come from a family, as I said, didn't have much money. He lived in a poor area of southeast London, where, like, like uh, in my area, expectations and aspirations were very low. Now, uh, but a few miles across, I mean, you know, from where in, you've got parts of London which are very poor, but you can go a few miles down the road and you can find it's, it is a different world. So he thought, well, what can I do? So what he did was he he googled... The richest parts of of the country, and found out that it wasn't very far from where he lived, which was Kensington and Chelsea. Now we all know Kensington and Chelsea were the, the rich and famous, and these these wealthy Russians and foreign investors, and where it costs you know, ten million pounds for a house, etc. And you know, rather than saying, "Well, I'm envious of those people," those people are just fat cats. Um, he, he thought he would try and find out what made them successful um now he was inspired a little bit by a, a Joan Rivers show in America called uh, how did you get so rich uh, I think it's called that where she basically asks people how they became rich and and it's a good question how did you become successful it's a great question you ask someone who is successful how did you get that way how did you get successful tell me your story people love to tell you and I'm sure if you asked um you know wealthy people that you know like Rob Moore, for instance, who is a very successful property investor and, 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 and runs um, you know multi-million pound training company. If you asked him or his partner, how did you get that way? Well, I'm sure he would be pleased to tell you. And he, and he does tell you. He's written books about it and I've read them. So rather than being envious, he, he thought, well, I'm going to just do what Joan Rivers did. And after Googling where where he would go, he thought, well, I'm going to jump on a train from where I live, jump on the tube. And he got out at Gloucester Road in Kensington. And uh, he, he immediately... I, mean, I, I he actually told uh, Jeremy Vine on the radio t- today I was listening and he immediately said like, I, I looked around I thought wow this is a really is a different world there was these long row of Georgian uh, cream painted houses um you know, completely different from where he lived and there was all these flash cars there and and Rolls Royces and Ferraris and Aston Martins and You know, he he decided to go up and approach people in the street and started asking them. And, he, you know, naturally he would get a few rejections. But, you know, not long after, pretty soon afterwards, he he came across a guy who just got out of an Aston Martin. And, uh, you know, Aston Martin, you know, it's a £100,000-plus car. And he said, you know, how did you... He said, excuse me, um, I'm just trying to find out how people become successful. How did you get to the stage where you could own this car? How did you become this successful? And the man was surprisingly nice to him. He said... "Um, you know uh, you, the key for this is is education you've got to get education to to be able to get ahead and move forward in the world and you know that that's a tip i've given many times myself get education education is the key and uh although uh, re- young reggie wasn't actually asking for money the guy just pulled out of his pocket and got some notes out and gave him 40 quid there you go son good luck to you i've got to go now uh, but uh, that, that was quite a nice little touch and uh he then went along a few rows of houses and started knocking on some doors, got a few rejections again. Some people, you know, close the door on him. I mean, obviously a lot of people are scared. Someone knocks on the door. Um, some people don't even come to the door. They've got intercoms and, you know, you might even be talking to the owner of the house. You could be talking to, to one of their staff. But anyway, he just kept going. And I think at the second or third door he, he called on, a lady called, uh, a lady opened the door called Elizabeth Price, who actually invited him in for a chat. He said, you come in and have a chat and started asking him, you know, what is it you want to do? Uh, what What's your interest? And Reggie said, well, I'm interested in business, but he didn't quite know what type of business. Then the husband came in, Quinton Price, who's a, a city analyst, uh, asset management analyst, and uh, he offered to mentor the young man, which, which was amazing. And to cut a long story short, he went from there to, to, to go and visit his company, went for an experience day, later did some work experience, uh, which is not easy to obtain, obviously. And a few years later, he completed his education. He got his degree at uh, Kingston University in economics. And now he's he's got himself a plum job in the city as an analyst for my old employer, Legal and General. Some people might say, oh, he was lucky. But no, he he worked at it. It wasn't just handed to him on a a silver platter. uh, But, you know, through that inspiration, through that little bit of mentorship there... It enabled him to to raise his expectations, I guess, and look look above his own horizons of his of his immediate surroundings. Now, Legal and General are a fantastic company, by the way. They're one of the UK's biggest insurers. You know, I'm not I'm not running an advert for them, but they're fund managers. They they manage billions of pounds worth of funds, and they own commercial prime commercial property all over the country. Now, I worked for them for many years, and. Uh, uh, I, I found them always to be a good company, and I'm sure Reggie will do well there. And if it's on your CV that you work for Legal and General, it's 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 a nice thing. Uh, I'll give you a quick story. Um, we we were in the sales division, we went down to uh, the city once. And I worked in the city for for a time in Fenchurch Street. We went into the fund managers' offices, and in those days, in the eighties, it was all red braces and you know young guys and this sort of thing. It was it was the time of that film Wall Street, and uh, there was there was the senior fund manager there and these his glasses and he was explaining how these are the dealing desks and you know this is where we decide which shares to buy and i think at that time they you know they managed 10 20 billion pounds worth of shares and it was just after that late 80s stock market crash i think it was 1987 and uh, I, I said to him well you know when the crash was happening uh, or maybe just before the crash was happening, while the crash was happening, why didn't you just sell the shares? Why why did you sit on them until they'd gone down? And he sort of stopped and looked at me down his his rimmed glasses and said, don't be stupid. You can't just sell £10 billion worth of shares, young man. He sort of put me in my place, didn't he? But uh, that was my legal and general story. Now, the great thing about the story of Reggie is that here you have a kid who was only 18 at the time, and he just had the initiative and, and quite frankly the balls to get on that train and go over and start asking people you know, what made them tick. Now I'd love to interview Reggie on my podcast because he can really inspire young people. And here you've got a guy who's actually done it. So Reggie if you're out, if you listen to this, I've tried to send a message to you but I'd, I would love to have you on the show. Now obviously Reggie still had to put in the work. Don't forget it wasn't just handed to him, he still had to get his degree, still had to apply for jobs but you know... With, with that bit of help, and, and it illustrates the importance of networking and knowing people, um, you know, because, you know, we, we work with people, we, we do business with people. We, everything we do is through people. It's not not machines and computers, it's, it's through people. But he he put the work in, and, you know, at, at a, I think he's now 22, 23. So he's he's done the work through university and really put himself out there, not just sent off applications, he's really put himself out there. And he's got the just his just reward. He's not come through luck, It's come through work and, uh, you know, just taking that, that initiative. And finally, the story illustrates to me, and I hope to you, that wealthy people are not as bad as they are portrayed in the media and on films and on stories as these fat cats, you know, evil people that are out to get you and do you in and, you know, want to steal from everybody, um, you know, they are actually human beings. then They're often very nice people. They're often nicer than you think. And, you know, I know a lot of very wealthy people and they do an awful lot of work in the community. They, they give a lot of money to charity. Many have uh, giving accounts. On So if they give you a donation for, for a fundraiser you're doing, you know, they will give you a check and you look on the check and it says giving account. You know, so they, they put aside a bit of money to give. And, you know, they, they, they believe in putting back you know, I work with people as as counsellors who, who, you know, quite frankly, could could be doing other things, uh, but they they give back to the, to to doing community work and voluntary work. I I know people through Rotary that are extremely wealthy, and yet they they turn up at these meetings. They go out. They they rattle boxes to collect money. They they plant bulbs to uh, help eradicate polio. That you know, and and these people are, who, who perhaps. You'd say they wouldn't have the time to do this, but they make the time to do these things. And a lot of people who've got more time to on their hands, like, for instance, if you're unemployed, will, will, will not bother to do these things. And they'll say, well, I haven't got the time to do it. You know, I I, I haven't got time to go and do charity work. I, I need charity myself. But it, it's just a different mindset, a different mentality. So, you know, again, I, I go through this in my book about wealthy people and uh, successful people that, you know, they, 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 they are often approachable and you know if you talk to them if you approach them you, you could be very surprised by the reaction you get and this, this also comes for uh, in, in conjunction with raising funds you know uh, a lot of people think to be in business or to become a property investor you have to have your own money but that, that's not true with the right mindset you can say well i'll find the deals and i will jv or joint venture with with a partner who has money to invest and uh, we'll, we'll do the deal in that way. And that's how people like Rob Moore got started. Rob Moore was in debt when he started in the property business. I think it was £50,000 in debt, uh, a struggling artist. And yet he linked up with somebody who became his partner. They raised uh, joint, venture, joint venture investment capital. And, you know, the rest is history. Now they, they own or control, uh, I think, six to 700 properties uh, and and, the, and he did that without having his own money so don't believe this thing you have to have money to make money or your only money makes money or only the rich get richer and the poor get poorer you know that there are ways around this there, there's a lot of money out there there's a lot of money out there waiting to looking for investment because if you've got money in the bank you know and you're earning just over zero uh, percent like not even a quarter percent you know that money is effectively losing value against the rate of inflation. So it's losing its spending power because if inflation's at two or 3% and you're earning you know, less than a quarter percent, clearly your money is losing buying power. So people are looking for ways to invest their money and get a good return on their money. They're not just gonna give it to any fool who turns up with some wild venture, Um, but there's more money out there looking for investment vehicles than there is people coming forward with good projects. And if you take this right up to the highest level uh, where you've got huge venture capital firms who've got millions and billions to invest, you know, there's there's certainly trillions of pounds of investment out there for people who want to start businesses, whether they be high tech companies or just someone who wants to buy a property down the road and refurbish it and, you know, make 10 or 20,000 pounds by, by selling it later down the road. So there are opportunities out there and you, you need to work with people and well done to to reggie nelson for for getting on that train and uh you know asking people what makes them successful you know what makes people successful. just go and ask them great well done reggie and thank you for listening this has been charles kelly bringing your money tips to help you save earn invest and enjoy more money